Well, what up, guys? It's been long overdue. Like when I mean long overdue, it's been too long. <laughs> We've been trying to record this episode, but due to um, light issues or internet issues or things that happen in the personal in our personal lives, we haven't been able to record this episode. But we're back at it again, and here we are back again with subtitles required today. I have here uh, my other host, Orengo. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. That's good. That's good. So, Orengo, today we're going to be talking about this movie that you mentioned while we were talking on the previous podcast, and we were like brainstorming what what's going to be the next movie because we said like, hey, we can't do two anime movies at the same time, you know, yeah. because people will get the the wrong the wrong feeling of of the show. You chose the movie Burning. Mm -hmm. uh, I have here in Rotten Tomato. It was released on. 2018 yes. there's some areas assessed 2019 it's a mystery thriller slash drama and for what i see here in rotten tomato it has 95 in the tomato meter so it's certified and it has an 80 percent on the audience score orengo how about you tell um our listeners what is the synopsis of the film okay so the movie is <clears throat> co-written produced and directed by this South Korean director called Lee Shang-dong. Another famous film that he's done is called Secret Sunshine. This is actually in the Criterion Collection. This movie is based on a, on a couple of short stories called Bar Burnings from The Elephant Vanishes by Haruki Murakami. The movie depicts the story of a young delivery man, Young Zhu, who runs into his childhood friend, Hai Mi. They soon meet an enigmatic young man named Ben, who Jung Shu becomes suspicious of and begins to believe Hai Min is in danger. So it's like a weird, like you said, like a psychological thriller. It's kind of mysterious. Um, it co-stars Steven Yu, which all of you know him from The Walking Dead, and hopefully you know him now from Minari, and hopefully you know him from uh, Invincible. He does the voice of Invincible. Yeah, and so, he has that that small cameo that I mentioned to you that he's he comes out in one episode of Big Bang Theory. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. And, you know, he's, he was also in uh, Space Jam, A New Legacy. So, you know, he's you know, right. moving, up, moving up in the world, you know, moving up in the world. Um, but, yeah, this movie uh, was in the Cannes Film Festival. It, it was competing the Palme d'Or in 2018. It lost out to shoplifters. There was actually a kind of a controversy among cinephiles regarding if it was worthy of not getting the Palm Dior, considering the burning is a really phenomenal film. I have seen Shoplifters. Shoplifters is really good. So it, it was a hard, like it was hard, you know, competing these, okay. these two competing films because once you see Shoplifters, for whoever has seen it, you will understand. Like it's also a very powerful movie. But yeah, this movie is really good in its own right. So John, what do you think about the movie since I recommended it to you? Yes. So I really did like the movie. Um, I remember that the first thing that you told me, it's a slow burn, but give it a chance. You probably might not like it. And I was like, I know that I looked at you. And I'm like, you know what? I probably might like it because <laughs> we, everybody that has seen uh, me and various other podcasts, I'm the one that watches everything and anything. <laughs> <laughs> so... I've watched movies that have been in film festivals from uh, A-list films like, damn, I had one right in the tip of the, my tongue. Uh, let's talk, uh, let's say Jungle Cruise, one, yeah. uh, the one that is out right now, and right. Um, B-films, and actually even very, very bad films as well. <clears throat> 
in in regards to all everything i see i just like to see a little bit of everything just to when there's conversation i can compare films or or say like okay this movie can be re it, it has the same feeling of x movie but burning burning when i i had to watch it twice because when we were getting ready for for the recording the first time that we were going to try and record i only yeah. saw until i was missing i think it was like 30 minutes of the end of the okay. film yeah. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want to watch the end. I will rewatch it just in case to see if I miss something out. Sure. And I didn't miss anything out, but I did like the movie more. You know, at the fir my first yeah. impression, like I didn't see the ending. The first impression of mine was like, uh, I didn't understand that much Ben's character. Yeah. But then when I rewatched the film again, I'm like, okay, now I, I understand Ben's character. Like, there's a very big mysterious thing on Ben's character. And this film, even though it's a... I'm not going to say it's a slow burn. It's a very, very slow burn because very slow pace. The dialogue is very simple in terms of, like, conversations are very low tone. There's barely discussion scenes. Yeah. You know... Everything is like very mellow and even the discussion scenes, they're mellow as well. Yeah. But not in a bad way. You know, I, I, I mean, mellow that you can you as a as a viewer that does not want to analyze what's going on. You can enjoy the film with or without analyzing mm -hmm. the characters. Yeah. I really did. I really did love it. The, the story behind Ben on how he is as an entrepreneur because in the whole movie you don't even know what he does yeah you know and then you have um the main character lee yeah lee young soo that it's uh uh portrayed by you uh in it's really interesting how his character that he went to war he mm -hmm. did have to be in the militia and then as well he finished he has a degree in in writing in creative writing yeah but he, they don't give you that sense like oh he he is back home and he has a very good job uh no he's just a simple person that uh for our understanding he's living off um any thing that i think that the militia like gives him because of retiring Mm -hmm. uh he's trying to like build a book but he's yeah. still looking for that inspiration yep. and he met he sees this old, old friend um ching hei mi mm -hmm. that they meet and it's really it's it, it, i'm so curious of his character because <laughs> didn't you notice that he 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 got this sense of like i want to call it obsession with with yeah. Amy, okay. So I mean, I I can give you I can give you what I think about the the, the movie in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I saw it a couple of years ago, and then I rewatched it during the pandemic, so I have a fresh. But my interpretation and interpretation a friend of mine gave me was essentially, this movie is the millennial struggle, okay, in every way possible. I'm gonna I'm gonna like slow break it down for you. So. It's curious that Lee, he studied creative writing, which you know is a shit degree. 
Oh, yes. Which means that he that it that it boils amount to nothing. He can't pay, pay the bills with a creative writing degree, so he has to work in his father's farm. So he's freaking poor, and you can see the struggles of him being poor because you know he can't like go out with the girl. He can't like you know do all the things he wants to do because he's freaking poor. He can't he yeah. can't impress her. When Ben comes into the picture, Ben is that rich kid that you know and we all know the one we all know the one that you don't know how the, he gets money ben ain't an entrepreneur man he's like one of those rich spoiled kids he just has money you don't know how okay. he just does right because they never explain it he never explains it i don't think he works i think he's un mantenido. he's just basically like uh you know silver spoon in his mouth his parents okay. probably give him money and he just exists he's just one of those the people reason- Yeah. You know, the reason why I think that he at least does something, because mm-hmm. I know that there's a dialogue that uh, I think it was the second time that he meets um, Ben, mm-hmm. he asked him, like, oh, what what type of like work does he do? And he's like, well, I have friends here and there. And I work with with so certain people. I'm like, I, I that's why I thought that the entrepreneur thing was like there. Could be, but I, I feel because my mindset since I created this idea that it was just some mm-hmm. millennial struggle. I just based it off this idea that we just all have these friends that are just rich. And they're just rich and they pay you they pay for everything and they, they're chill about it. They don't care. Um they just exist. They they have this unique weird lifestyle that people who are either poor or middle class will never freaking understand and you kind of see it with ben ben has this almost sociopathic approach to life where yes. everything kind of like he goes through the motions but he finds everything boring right like he meets uh sheen Haimin and he's like excited by her at first but in as you see there's this scene and he and he repeats it twice where he's with his bunch of rich friends, right? Yeah. And then she's telling that one story because she only has that one good story to tell. Yes, the the dancing one. Exactly. <laughs> so she's telling that one good story to everyone. Everyone's like, whoa, you're so freaking fascinating because, you know, you're like this weird girl and whatever. And Ben is just um, yawning. Yes. Because he doesn't give a fuck. That girl is just like a freaking prop <laughs> to her. He doesn't care. So beyond the fact that this man is probably a psychopath, um, is this thing where, you know, and it's not to the mean rich people. Well, I mean, it is to the mean rich people. But is this whole thing of where rich people just just live a different life and they yeah. have different expectations of life and different things excite them and also different things bore them. So for them, it's all about like the appearances of things. Like, oh, I do you know, when I want to hang out with all my rich friends and I have this girl who's like witty and weird and she's telling her stories so i'm just gonna let her like tell her stupid story so people can find me interesting as a result because yeah. I'm, i'm bringing this entertainment essentially to my friends which is her so it's it's fascinating when i like hyper analyze it in this regard um she also has this whole thing of being like ethereal and trying to push this whole thing of like if i travel I'll get enlightenment and I'll get experience of life. And you know that even us, we've all had that notion of, oh, if I just go to Japan, I know I'll have such a gigantic life experience. It'll yes. transform me forever. 
And that's her, right? And we all have that friend or friends who just go backpacking through Spain and then come back and they're like, man, I'm so enlightened. I learned so yeah. much from another culture. It's like, yeah. It's like that scene when they first hang out yeah. that that she's like, she's like, oh, it's like, you know that there's like little hunger and then there's like big hunger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm like, girl, where, where the heck do you read this? Do you read this in a textbook? <laughs> yeah. Because it, it, I felt bad. Like, she's like, well, there's people there that have little hunger, you know, people that are are, are, are willing to to stay starving. And I'm like, yep. Girl, yep. what what the heck, man? Yeah. You know, and then you see you see the main character. Um, you see Lee, mm -hmm. uh, Young Su. You see him in that scene, like looking at her like, Yeah, you, you don't understand anything. Yeah, yeah, because we're talking about a character, you know, you were talking about Young Su that that he he has been in uh, I, I doubt that he's been in war, but he was in the militia, so he saw sure. life in a different way. Mm -hmm. And then besides the fact that he saw life in a different way, his father was being convicted by kicking somebody's ass, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um and then after that, you you have him like like you said the the degree that does that probably if, if you don't have a very great idea for a book mm -hmm. you won't go anywhere yeah or if you don't Unless, get like a job regarding that which is exactly. not that many you're gonna be screwed yeah yeah and then this is this is the the inclusion of ben because when you have uh young sue he he helps her out he has his first um sexual experience with her That that's another that's another thing that it's like pretty odd and interesting mm -hmm. because you know I, I understand that the culture over there is very different, but the culture over there in terms of consent and everything are very different from ours. Yeah, and you see um, her that she tells her, "Oh, hey, me," he she tells him like. Oh, um, this is your first time. In that scene, she says, like, this is your mm -hmm. first time because she's already done it. Yeah. Like, she already has had that experience. But then mm -hmm. you have you have young Sue that he is experimenting everything like if it was something new. Yeah. Because probably when he was in university, he was um the bookworm, the nerd. You know, mm -hmm. just go to classes, do my classes, and yeah do homework and that's it mm -hmm. but it's so interesting how he learned and i'm not gonna say that he learned quickly but he learned in a very very interesting way on how ben was an issue yeah because he he noticed that ben did not care yeah you know and it's really cool That's why I say that the movie, I really did like it because there's this, um, I'm going to stick in the first, like in the first art, uh, first act. Because when we, when you go to start looking at the, at Young Su trying to take care of the apartment. Yeah. Then he has like the ritual because obviously, well, first time, uh, I would, let's say first time girlfriend and everything. He has like this weird ritual to that he does in the in the room the mm -hmm. cat that we never see the cat that we never see yeah uh 
and the buildup of when she comes back. Mm-hmm. It, it was so sad seeing him having the that scene before uh, the scene that he gets um, to see his dad in court. Mm-hmm. He's the only one there. His dad is looking at him with like disgust. Like, yeah. what are you doing here? Why are you seeing me fail? Mm-hmm. His lawyer telling him like, hey, just tell your dad to accept everything or to say sorry. But his dad has a big ego and says no. When you think about it, there might be a theme about pride yeah. and how and, and maybe like self-worth. That maybe the father, maybe it's an ego thing. Maybe it's a self-worth thing. Maybe he's like thinking, I'm right. He was wrong. Screw that guy. I'm going to jail because I feel I did right. While as the kid, you know, um, Lee, he just takes it. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't have self-worth. He doesn't realize that he's losing the girl that he likes or whatever to Ben. He's just taking it. He's just accepting all these new things happening in front of him. And he's like trying to be like, hey, I kind of like you, but she's like, well, whatever, man. We screwed once and it's fine, but it's whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of like sort of with Ben, which is also another millennial thing. It's this whole thing of not having labels and being purposely ambiguous with literally everything. Everything. <laughs> Everyone has had that that person that you don't know where you stand with. You don't know if you're like with the person, like if you're a couple. If you're dating, if you're casual, you have literally no no concept of what you are with this person. And that was basically Lee too. Because Lee was like, I, I thought we were kind of like boyfriend-girlfriend, but now you're like hanging out with Ben. But then it doesn't seem like Ben and her have a relationship either. They kind of seem like they just hang out. But he kind of misconstrues it because since you, since like you said, it was probably his first actual relationship, his yeah. first sexual encounter. It was his first everything in terms of being with like a woman. So he conflated everything. And for him, he was like, well, you know, like I thought that this was the steps that you take in a very like traditional sense. But she's very, like I told you, very ethereal, very like she wants to be deep, but is that type of person that attempts to be very deep and has nothing to say. That's why I'm telling you, she has like that one good story. She had that one life experience and literally that, for her is enough to shape her as a person, but not really doesn't shape anything. She just has two stories and she traveled for three weeks somewhere. You know, it doesn't define her as anything. She's clearly, I don't want to say she's vapid. She's just a very simple person. Yeah. Where she's trying to seek and trying to become someone deeper because she's obviously shaping, trying to shape herself to become an adult, to become someone of worth. But She's still like in the, in the middling stages of getting there, which we've all gone through. We've all been like, you know, young and stupid. But then we grow, we learn, we evolve, we learn experiences, we, we, we read, we watch, we whatever. And then we grow, you know, and we, we, we learn. We learn to be a better person and to have things to say. But when you know when you're young, which that was them, they have nothing to say because they're stupid because they're young. They, they, don't, they haven't lived enough and that's fine. But it's like this thing where she's trying to be deeper. You know, she's like, oh, you know, like dancing in, in, in the sunset and she's crying because she has a life. She had that experience and it affected her very deeply, even though she, like you said, she doesn't seem like she comprehends what she yeah. experienced at all, but it affected her. So in, in her mind, she's thinking, oh, this must be like something very deep, very emotional, very engaging. As a result, 
that means that I'm learning something that become a, a, a much more profound person as a result. It's very fascinating. And we haven't yes. even talked about like what the twist of the movie is or even like the thriller exactly. aspect. We're just analyzing these characters because they're so fascinating. And this is all us pulling from the little things that we get because the movie doesn't outright tell you these things. These are mm -hmm. given to you by context, by looks, by little moments that the characters give you that you can kind of like piece together who they are as people. But yeah, exactly. go ahead, John. So the other thing, the other thing very interesting with um, Hey Me's character is that she comes back from Africa because that's where she goes. Yeah. She mentions the incident that if I'm not mistaken, that incident actually did happen. Uh, I didn't get to, I, I totally forgot to check if, if it did happen, but um, she mentions that they were stuck in the airport for an incident that happened over there in, in, in Africa. Yeah. But it's really interesting that she comes back and she comes all enlightened about little hunger and big hunger yeah. and the dance. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so interesting that throughout the film, she starts lying to, to young Sue. Yes. And, and the thing is that it's really interesting because it's, it's like you mentioned, it is a millennial thing. Yeah. Because it's be, being purposely ambiguous exactly. and it's this whole thing of like, she lies and she says all these things because she feels she's not like, she doesn't owe him anything, which is true. That is completely fair. Yeah. Um, but instead of just being outright saying like, Hey, I'm not that into you. I'm into Ben or I'm into nobody, whatever. She kind of like deflects, which is something millennials do constantly. They deflect on anything, not even like a relationship thing. We deflect on so many ridiculous things. But yeah. No, yeah. But now, now let's go a little bit much more. Go. Go, go much more further to the film. So the for me, I would say that this is like the first complete scene that will that will tell the audience that Ben is an issue. <laughs> It's the time that um, Haimi mentions to him, oh, let's meet up. Uh, Young Su is so happy because he's going to meet up with her and whatnot. He's there. He does this whole rock thing. He's also rom romantic. Like, oh, you're, 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 the palm of your hand says that you have mm -hmm. like, a, like rock inside your heart, whatever. And he does that thing with the rock and yeah. so cute and whatever. Um, but it's so... It's interesting because they're in the apartment. He starts cooking. Uh, he has classical jazz that it's something that you rarely see in in some millennials, you know. Yeah. But Ben is the character that portrays that he's young, but at the same time, he has like a culture. He's, exactly he's a cultured culture. man. He's a profound man. He's a deep man. Look at all the things <laughs> that he knows because he has money to be yes. able to live these experiences. <laughs> no, yeah, and and it's really interesting because when you see the development of Ben's character, mm -hmm. the first time that they meet, he's like he asks Young Su like, "Oh, what is your favorite like author?" And when he says the author, he's like, "Oh, so you are like this type of person." And I'm like, "Wow!" Just because of the author, you already know what yeah. Young Su's character or person persona is, yeah. you know. But in that scene, first time that they cook and whatnot, Young Su goes to the bathroom. He starts <laughs> snooping around because why not? Yeah. And I know that he's snooping around because he wants to like check if if Haimi is living with him already. Mm -hmm. 
and then he finds this little box. Uh, was it a box or was it a yeah. shelf? It like was a, a box, little box, right? Little like a little box. box. And there's a, there's different things mm-hmm. in that box. Knickknacks. Knickknacks. Mm-hmm. That's when you go ahead and you're like, yeah, Ben, Ben, Ben has an issue. Yeah. You know, yeah. Obviously, if you're very, very paying attention to all these characters and everything, because if you're just watching the movie to watch it, you know, you you won't notice until more throughout the film. Yeah. But is when when I saw that scene, I was like, okay. I need to I need to keep watching this movie because the, uh, something's gonna happen. Or they're not going to show us what's going to happen. But something at the end is going to happen. There's going to be a big twist on this. And, and, and Ben is not the good guy here. <laughs> the thing is that Steven Young, man, that guy, that guy can, I think you can give him any role and he can kill it. Yeah, he can. He acted, I'm, I don't want to mention anything now, but he acted so well in this movie mm-hmm. that Like I mentioned, if you're if you are paying attention to the small details, you will know it off the bat. But if you're not, and then you go to the end of the movie, you're gonna be like, "Oh, uh, why? Yeah, you know, well, why this happened?" But that whole scene is so important because Hami and Young Soo do have this very very important conversation where Young Soo is like, "Um, are you hanging out with him more often? Are you guys something together?" Mm-hmm. Probably he. This is where the key is. Probably he's a serial killer. Yeah. Or, or he's just some crazy guy that yeah. likes to to be with young girls. Mm-hmm. I was like, what? Uh, in my mind, at first, I was like, why are you messing up the relationship with her? You know, just let it fly. And yeah. then she's like, no, he's not like that. And mm-hmm. plus, we're just we just hang out a lot often and whatnot. I, I and then she I think she mentions as well that she barely goes to her apartment um, more. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh my god, man! Like, I need to know more <laughs> because yeah. again, this is this is how how this film builds up everything. Yeah, how it and, builds up the tension. Exactly. And the mystery. Yeah. And the mystery, yes. And then the most intriguing part is that Ben uses his rich friends yeah. or. Or I'm not going to mention something that I had in my mind now because then we're going to spoil everybody like the film in terms of like our analysis. But Mm -hmm. he uses his friends to like block everything. Yeah. You know, he's like after they eat, he's like, oh, uh, I'm going to meet up with some friends. And then there's where the first conversation of like Africa comes in. Yeah, It's like uh, little hunger, big hunger, the dance and whatnot. Oh, wow, and, and 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 literally that, and for all of our all of our listeners, and literally this is not even half the movie. <laughs> yeah, do you love the scene where you know they're smoking weed and she's giving that ethereal dance, which is like a three minute scene of her literally just dancing in the sunset and then disrobing and dancing and whatever, which is a beautiful scene by the way. That I, I I'm gonna mention that is yeah. one of my favorite scenes yeah. in the movie. It's really, that that's really scene powerful. Is so powerful. The conversation that's oh, there yeah. as well. What about the conversation when Ben just, you know, they mention hobbies and he's like, I like to burn greenhouses. Yes. That, when I saw that the first time, I'm like, say what now? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> who does that? And it just goes to show you who who Ben is as a character. Who Ben is, exactly. He doesn't give a fuck. He just does these things because he's bored. He's bored of his life. And that's another thing that I wanted to add a little bit since you mentioned, because when you mentioned the whole aspect of when Ben asked uh, Lee what author he likes and then he just automatically knew what type of person he is, you got to consider the fact, and again, this goes back to be criticizing rich people. Since mm -hmm. rich people are rich, they can afford to do other things. So they yes. can afford to be cultured. So there's this scene in, I'm going to deviate a little bit for like a second, but it, it's going to come sure. back, I promise. Don't worry about it. So there's this show called Atlanta, okay. which uh, stars uh, da da Danny Glover, which is, you know, Childish mm -hmm. Gambino. And there's this one scene where he's basically, he needs money. And his friend tells him, look, if I need to make some trades, um, if if you help me with these trades, I'm going to get you the money that you need. And he starts out, like, it, it, it's like a weird side quest. Like, if you were playing Legend of Zelda, like, he trades, like, a sword. I'm not even kidding you. He's, he's, he's trades, like, a samurai sword for, like, a dog and for, like, another thing and another thing. It's a ridiculous is it, is it Is it something like the, the this challenge is, like, the paperclip challenge? Something like that, you that. Get, yeah. That you, you get a paperclip. Yeah. And then you start trading until you get whatever whatever exactly. you really want to get. So so he basically, I think it was like, he, his friend told him, look, I can get you, I think it was like, I can get you 5K instead of the $500 chef right now. He's like, you sure, bro? Like, is this a sure thing? Sure, sure, sure. I need the $500 so I can trade up. And it's the whole side quest where he like gets like a samurai sword. He trades it for other shit. Eventually, he ends up with a dog, right? The dog, he gives it to a, to like a random dude. He's like a dog breeder. And then Danny Glover is like, so where's, where's the money, bro? He's like, you're good, man. Because right now the thing is like this guy, he's going to breed the dogs and he's going to get like really like expensive puppies because it's going to be like a very rare breed. And, you know, in six months, you're going to get your 5K. And he's like, bro, I need the money today. I traded my cell phone for this shit. I don't like I I'm I'm out of phone and I'm out of money. I need money. And he's like, don't worry, man. Like if you just wait it out, he's like, dude, I'm poor. I can't afford to wait. I can't afford to waste my time. And again, this goes back to the whole thing yeah. of rich people since they don't need to worry about working. They don't need to like if they work, they were such a high position. It's it's in a more comfortable setting most of the time. But in regards to Ben, I still believe he doesn't work. So since he doesn't work, he probably gets money from his parents. He can afford to do anything. He can afford to cook. He cooks for them. They don't know how to fucking cook. And you can clearly see they don't know how to yeah. cook. He knows how to cook like really fancy shit. He knows about fucking books. He knows how about like just He knows life. about music and art. He knows about life. Yeah. Exactly. Because he can afford to. And, In and the whole movie, yeah. he quotes a lot of like important people. Exactly. So it's this whole thing that even all of these things, even him becoming such a learned person, which would be great, you know, you know, as, as a person who evolves and grows and learns or whatever, he's so bored of it. He needs something to spice, you know, quote unquote, spice yes. his life. And that's when he starts burning greenhouses. Burning Go greenhouses. Ahead. You know, you know what this brings me. There's this yeah. film. There's this uh, another Asian film. It's called. Um, it's really interesting because it it it, it 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 it's not the same situation, but in terms of like the rich people portion, it does. 
Battle Royale. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Battle Royale gives you that big hint because, oh, we're overpopulated. The government pays your parents mm -hmm. like that. Your class is in a lottery of yep. all these other classes or groups. Because just to give um, all of our listeners a little bit perspective in Asia. So here in Puerto Rico, depending on the school that you go, you got group A and group B. Group A is Spanish, and then group B is bilingual. Mm -hmm. And in other, and in other schools, I think it's by number, and depending the number, depending on your numbers, how high your I would say IQ is or the grade. The grade, yeah. I, sometimes it's done by grade, and sometimes it's even done alphabetically. Alphabetically, so alphabetically yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of ways. And then in Asia. It's kind of the same thing. Let's put an example, My Hero Academia. So yeah. it's group um, 1A, um, B. 2B, uh, and, 2B. Then depend yeah. and, then, and then depending on, your, on the letter, it's how high your class is. Mm -hmm. So here in Battle Royale, the government pays parents because of the high population to have their kids in their classes be nominated in a lottery to be chosen to kill each other until one last and that one last um, kid will participate in the future one or be free. Yeah. And it's interesting because again, it's the same thing, how the government wants to control population due to, Hey, we, we're not, we're not going to pay all these people that live here, you know, mm -hmm. you know, and, and here we go. Ben, <clears throat> ben burning greenhouses that, That is one of the com that is one of the most I I'm going to say it that I think that is the most important conversation in the film where mm -hmm. you will understand partially who Ben is. Mm -hmm. And this is if if you're not analyzing the film completely. But then the thing is the funny thing is that young Sue follows his drift. Yeah. It's like, you need a greenhouse, bro? There's like a Bill Jillian in near my house. I'll find you a good one like that. You can burn it down. I'm like, why? Yeah. Why? <laughs> And then the thing is that during that conversation, then you have Hey Me doing the um, the dance yeah, and getting, I'm not going to say naked, but she takes her top off. yeah, And you see Ben laughing at her, like not mm -hmm. laughing in the sense of like joy of what I'm seeing. He is laughing at her he's mocking then, her full exactly he's mocking her full and then you got young sue that wants to protect her mm -hmm. but then he fucks he fucks up in in, in the end game because yeah. he goes ahead and he's like oh um are you like flabbing around all your body parts like a whore and i'm like dude yeah. why because he's very traditional Oh yeah, I know. That's I know he's very traditional. That's but why. Like, so in oh. his in his mind, he's thinking he's doing the right thing, but then she's like, "Dude, like, what the fuck? I like, I like, like I told you, I, you don't owe me. Like, I don't owe you anything. I don't know why the fuck you're saying that. Like, I'm not even a hoe. This is just like my lived experience or whatever. Like, it's this whole thing of like not being clear with one another. Exactly. You know? He's he's thinking that he's being protective, but the way he's going about it is wrong, and then. She's thinking she's being all deep and all like, oh, you know, unique and, and, and you know, in, independent. But she really that isn't. Is, that Whatever. is the scene that she says her first big lie. 
there's the the well Mm -hmm. oh yep. there was a well in ne near our house and he's the one that saved me and i'm like when you see the scene of where her house was supposed to be you can tell that there was no well yep that that land does not support a well mm -hmm. you know but that scene is so i gotta say it, that scene is completely beautiful you know yep. that scene in terms of lighting the camera shots and it's a five minute scene because you have to have the three minutes of her dancing and the two minutes of their conversation mm -hmm. it's a whole five minute scene that you will enjoy because you have this first bonding time with young sue and ben yep and then young sue is still think he i know that in this portion of the film young sue was like yeah he's a good guy yeah you know He's trying to kind of guy. figure him out, but he's yeah. Being, yeah. He's a good guy. Because the thing is that you see C Ben that he knows that there's another thing, guys. It, it he knows that you can't smoke marijuana in in where they live because I think they live in the border of South Korea, is it, or the other yeah, way it's, around? It's, I mean it's South Korea, that's for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they live literally in the border of of the other side of Korea. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, if they catch us with this, they will arrest us or whatnot. Yeah. Because he doesn't care. Because he yeah. knows that if he gets caught, it'll be fine. It's a slap on the wrist. Mm -hmm. You know. Exactly. Yeah. It, 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 <laughs> it's like another another film. Let's put on Tokyo Drift, the first mm -hmm. scene. When they're on the where they're in the cops. Yeah. He's like, oh, you know, you see Ken and Barbie over there? They're just gonna get a slap on the wrist. Because, mm -hmm. you know what? Their parents are loaded. Yeah. And we can't do nothing about it. But, you know, we like guys like you because you guys are trailer trash. Literally, that's what he says in the scene. Yep. And, it, and it's what's happening right there in that scene. Mm -hmm. You know. But it's so interesting because then you see... um, I would say... 15 minutes of Young Sue looking for the freaking greenhouse. Yeah. And it's because he's analyzing what Ben said that he, like, three months ago, he burned one near where he lives. Yeah, he's trying to and find he, it. Exactly, and he's trying to find it. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because this is where, where it gets you as a viewer, you might get confused. Because you might think, oh, yeah, Young Sue understands that Ben is a good guy. Mm -hmm. But haven't you guys been seeing the movie? <laughs> <laughs> then after that, you get that 15, 15 minute scenes of he looking for the greenhouse or measuring the time. Yeah. Then Haymi disappears out of the blue, out of yep. nowhere. Mm -hmm. She does not answer her phone. She does not nothing. I think he receives one last text from her saying to not talk to her anymore. Yeah. And that's it. And then she disappears. And then Young Soo is desperate. Yep. He even goes to her apartment to try to find her. Exactly. He even goes to the apartment. That that is that is an that is an interesting note. Because he talks to the landlord or landlady. And she says, he says, oh, but there's a cat in the apartment. 
She's like, we're not supposed to. We're not supposed to have cats, right? Or something. Exactly, like that. something like that. We're not supposed to have um, pets in the in the apartment. He's like, no, no, no. Yes, that they're supposed to be. The only mistake I will say is, at least from the film, is when they open the apartment, they don't change basically anything of the apartment. The apartment has the same pictures mm-hmm. on the fridge. Yeah. And I think a couple of other things that stay the same and you do not see because she does mention that somebody already did move in. Which could have been a lie, though. Exactly. It could have been a lie. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's really interesting that I think that if I think if Ben wanted to do what he wanted to do, Mm -hmm. he could have given that that portion a little bit much more effort. Of course. Yeah. Because you see that Young Soo notices that the apartment hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. But then you get Young Soo. Go, we have those scenes again of him looking towards the the uh, greenhouses. The greenhouses. Mm-hmm. He goes to her family. Yeah. To Hamie's family. Um, he said he talks about the whole well situation. And they're like, uh, that's a lie. She's just deep down in debt. Yep. Like she owes even they she owes them money mm-hmm. in, in that in that whole portion. And then comes the interesting part of 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 the whole film. Is when Young Sue starts uh stalking Ben. Stalking Ben. And and the thing is that it's very interesting that Ben does not notice that the, the same truck has been following him for so long. I think he does. I think you he, think he does. I think he's he was playing with him. Yeah, I mean okay. it's it's giving in the fact that at one point Ben literally like touches on the door and he's like, "Bro, just come on up. Like, what are, what are you doing here? Just chill. It's okay." Yeah, that's I, did, that. I did what I did, so screw you. <laughs> yeah. But I think he knew. I think he knew. I think he was just, he was probably enjoying the fact that Lee was going insane. I think that was part of it for him. It was kind you, of you guess? I think he was kind of enjoying that Lee was going insane. I'm pretty sure they were seeing that gigantic truck that everyone can see a mile away. And he was thinking, oh, there he goes, trying to find her. Ain't gonna find her, but it's cool that he's trying. He's playing little detective. Whatever. It's fun for yeah. me. I th- I think he knew. I think that he had you a think, hunch that yeah. Lee was was stalking him. And he was just he was just letting it happen. Was it for you interesting the fact that when Ben presents Young Su the new girl mm-hmm. in like his life when he sees him in the cafe? Yeah. Is do you think was it for you interesting that when he when Ben invites him over because his friends are coming over again and everything because they're going to have um I forgot what was the the name of the of like the dinner style that they were going to do that everybody brings um a different yeah, type a- of food <laughs> Do you see interesting that that scene was ex- the exact same scene Yeah that's why I loved it the yeah. as the first time that we see Haimi mm-hmm. with all of his friends because I think it's cyclical. It's this whole thing where Ben just finds a new, essentially a toy. This new thing, this new shiny toy to bring to his friends, to his rich friends, so they can be like, oh, what's this new interesting specimen you brought us, 
so we can like talk to her or whatever and it's like ben bringing like random people could be men and women because we don't know but i'm assuming it's mostly just girls and it's it plays out the same way it's fascinating yeah. that's where for lee it clicks it's like this dude's a, a sociopath or a psychopath. yes like, this guy doesn't care about anybody or anything like and then the thing is the most interesting thing is that he goes again to the bathroom and he snoops around and he finds the famous that we didn't mention it but yeah the pink watch the pink watch yep. that he gave um Hamy because he won it on a on a random raffle yeah <laughs> um but it's interesting because then what we thought that it was a lie it was true it's the cat yep what was his name um I don't remember the name of the cat. I was it's not the cat. It was the cat. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember the name of the of the cat, but yes. Yeah. But then the cat. Then Ben randomly has a cat. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> oh, it's called Boyle. 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 Yes. Because Boyle. he calls out for Boyle and the cat responds. Responds. That's when he kind of freaks out a little. Yes. Yeah. So if, if for all of our listeners, this is where the twist comes in. The big, the big twist because God when I saw that scene and I, I'm like it can't be I was like at first I was like no nah, that's not the cat no the cat was all a lie when you have that small little two second scene like boil and the cat responds I'm like holy yeah. shit yeah. this is where it goes down yeah. I don't know what's going to happen from that one but I need to know but man, it, it's so interesting how someone can act so normal mm -hmm. as Ben. Yeah. The, talking about Ben, how he can act so normal after doing what he does with his hobby. Presumably. Presumably. Because I, 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 you, I, can, I can give you a... I can give you a theory as to why, as to him not actually doing anything. Okay, because, go ahead. Go so, ahead. So basically, basically, I'm just gonna. After this, uh, it confirms for Lee. It, it confirms everything. He feels like he did something to to Hami. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna confront this dude. Fuck him, whatever. Then he goes to like, he calls him out into the countryside. He tells him like, Hey, I am with Hamin. Let's meet up, Ben. And then they meet up. And then he stabs the shit out of him. Like, uh, Lee to Ben. He stabs the shit out of him. He takes off all his clothes because they're all bloody. He burns his car and he drives out naked. And the movie oh, ends, He right? uses the same type of, um, of liquid. Uh, yes. I think it was kerosene. Mm -hmm. He used the same thing as he mentioned about the greenhouses oh, the green in houses. the conversation. So it's obviously po poetic. Yeah. My guess is the thing is there's still a level of ambiguity. And you can argue that maybe Ben, after all, never actually did anything because of the fact that he actually responded to the call. What I mean is Lee told him, oh, I'm with Hamin. Let's meet up. If Ben knew that he murdered her, he knows no one's going to be there. Yeah. So you could argue, although it, it's kind of it's kind of skewed in the direction that it 
it's obvious it seems very obvious that ben actually did something but you could argue that these were just some coincidences the cat might have been a coincidence the pink watch might have been something that she gave to ben and ben was like oh that's cute whatever he just throws it into the box and he got bored of her and he told her to fuck off and then she got pretty she might have gotten sad and went to travel somewhere else and never told anybody because she was a loner before. When the movie starts, yeah. she clearly has no other friends. She, she's one of those people, mm -hmm. and we know some people like that, that are just, they're, they're very private and they do their own thing and then they might just disappear and then reappear like six months later. And you're like, oh, you're alive. That's cool. And she seems to be like one of those people that doesn't tell people what, she, what her what her plans are. She's very spontaneous. She's very abrasive. And she seems to be very, like I told you, like a, like a loader. So it's one of those things where she could have just as easily just left, didn't tell anybody, packed some things and just went to like, I don't know, Africa again or whatever. And because she broke off with Ben, Ben told her to fuck off because she's boring. And, you know, he just happened to have the watch because he likes to have little knickknacks of ex-girlfriends for some stupid reason. And that cat might have just been a cat. Because in the end, since Lee called him up and told him he was with her, again, if he would have done something, why would he answer that call? Unless there's some guilt involved, but why would Ben have guilt with anything? So the movie, the movie even could give you this subtle hint of, Maybe he didn't do it, which makes the movie fascinating to talk about. Obviously, there's way too many stuff against it, against that theory and against that notion, you know, and, and Steven Yudes really sells that he's like a freaking sociopath. Yes. So, you know, this theory holds very little weight, but it's cool that it's there, you know? But yeah. It, it, yeah, it's but you know what? It, it is true because now... Now that you look at it, it, yeah, you can get you can get the both sides of the story. But the thing is that then you have the scene that this is where the where where I guess that Steven you Steven Yu's um character Ben mm -hmm. is a fully 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 sociopath. Yeah, because he has the box of makeup and he puts makeup on the new girl. Yeah. Yeah, like if creepy, it was something weird. normal and yeah. yes, it was super creepy. Yeah. You know, and then it's the make the same makeup box where all of the knickknacks are. Yeah. So that that's why I'm like that that's where it, like it could be, it could not be, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the whole sense that the whole film, because you got this is what this is what you have you guys have to know, listeners. The whole film is poetic. Mm -hmm. The whole film is a very, very great piece of art. Mm -hmm. Because if you sit down to just watch it, you will enjoy it. If you like slow movies. Mm -hmm. But if you sit down to analyze the dialogue, the movement of the characters, of how they're acting and everything, you can get so much out of this film. I agree. And obviously, the director knew how to record his scenes because there's a lot of scenes that they are so beautiful in terms of color. And I got to say it, even though it's going to sound weird, but even that ending 
Oh my god, that ending oh, yeah. was oof. It was shocking and well shot, and it was all one take too. Yeah, ex exactly. It was yeah. all of a one take, and yeah. you could tell oh, because yeah. you can tell that the movement of the camera was there, mm -hmm. and it was very you would it was very subtle the the whole of how he wanted to shoot that scene but having that close-up of when he stabs ben and then he moves ben into the car and then that that moment that he does not even have dialogue but he he i think in his mind he's like i am going to burn you with the same thing that you burn greenhouses mm-hmm and then he leaves like like if he was a hero. Yeah. And then now you have with your theory now you have the two coins of of the quarter. You yeah. don't know if Ben is the bad guy. Yes or no. But this is where I wanted to say something. Go. One of the things that I've got from the film was by the two scenes of having Ben with the new chick and with Haimi, mm -hmm. I have a feeling that his friends are part of the plot. Okay. Are part of the whole greenhouse situation. Like a cult. Exactly. Like a weird rich cult. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The thing why I mention it is because there's so many movies that have talked about these type of like cult of the oh, yeah. rich yeah, yeah. like let's put an example the movie the hunt is the same thing mm -hmm. it's a bunch of rich people that just want to kill random people that are not part of like society or whatnot yeah and uh, we got battle royale you got uh, eyes wide shut although exactly. eyes wide shut they don't kill they just fuck <laughs> they fuck a lot but yeah it's this whole thing about the rich society and yes. they get away with shit because they're rich exactly so you, you could argue it's the same thing yeah you know and that's why i i i i, I gotta say i just gotta say that i can buy that i can buy that i didn't i, I, I ever think. thought of them being part of the of the plot but i can see them literally being like Okay, Ben, I found like a cool greenhouse. Bring that bitch over there so we can, <laughs> can burn her up and then just exactly, have that, some s'mores or something. Exactly. That's why that's why I think that they are part of the plot because yeah. the thing is that you see their cynical same attitude with the new chick. And it's yeah. like it's like it, they, they don't change. That's true. They're like, oh look, this is the new chick. This is the new toy that I have, or or whatnot, you know. But this film I, I just gotta say it's phenomenal you know and it and again it's it's something that that you can tell that you people should give a chance to films that come from film festivals i i, I will say it a bajillion times um film festival films are amazing and and i'm not gonna and I gotta include the foreign films. I love them. Mm -hmm. It's some—it's always something new on the plate. It gives you a new perspective on things because there's different sensibilities when it comes to international films, which is the whole reason why we're doing this is because, you know, we grow accustomed to American films. And this goes beyond blockbuster films because even art yeah. house films that are done in America have certain styles and sensibilities and themes it explores. And it might deviate sometimes 
but it's in the end from an American perspective. Mm-hmm. So it's really cool where we ch- we watch all these international films because we get a sense of different perspectives and scopes and different concept um, of themes of ex- lived experiences. You know, the politics are different, the way they go about, like the whole thing about the marijuana. It's such a small thing. Like the yeah. whole thing of like, oh, you know, like if we were on the other side, this would literally be illegal and we'd be screwed. It's no longer a thing in America. In America, we have stoner, stoner comedies. Yes. It's not a thing. That's not a thing you see in South Korea because of the, the way the government is designed and the way they view certain things, you know, they're, they lean a little more traditional or more conservative, a little mm-hmm. more, you know, like that. So it's interesting to see these different perspectives and mm-hmm. how filmmakers navigate their lived experiences and how they plaster it in films because even their education is valid, very differently. Like even when you see like a Latin American film, it's very like a Mexican film or like a, like a Colombian film. It's very different from watching a, uh, a American film. Even yeah. when these directors come and do American films, they they kind of abide a little bit to American standards. For example, the, the curious example is Guillermo del Toro. So Guillermo del Toro did La Verita Fauno, mm-hmm. phenomenal film. It has very different sensibilities. Then he can kind of morph and do Hellboy, which is a very well when you boil it down, it's a very traditional uh, superhero movie. Yeah, but it has some of his sensibilities. They kind of like mix a little bit, but it's still within type of a of 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 a, of a boundary of what an American movie is or how it should be constructed. Mm-hmm. Even though he is Mexican, another example is Cuarón. Cuarón can make you a Harry Potter movie, and then he can like do Roma. Roma is so wildly different, even for American standards. For like a Mexican film, it's very hard house. It's kind of like run of the mill. And it's been seen a couple of times in Mexico. But from an American perspective, you see Roma, you're like blown away because you're like, wow, this is so different from the stuff I usually see in American cinema. So it's it's great. I, I love seeing different stuff just for the sake of how these creators construct their narratives in different ways, even anime. And you know that because you watch a shit ton of anime. The way that anime constructs their stories, the cliches that anime has, you know, the whole concept of what a shonen is, which is basically the hero's journey, is so wildly different of how they would play the hero's journey in an American perspective. It's so different. You know? No, yeah. And 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 not only and not only that, let's let's put a sample as well as um had the as a you know like a uk film yeah uk filmmakers let's put an example uh, i think it's not a uk film but let me go ahead and i'm gonna mention the name of the film if i i don't know the origin but mm-hmm. let's mention nymphomaniacs the, the, nymphomaniac. the uh yeah nymphomaniacs is... is a very very large frontier um very how can i it's say Europe, very it's ext- european so. it's european okay yeah. so you have the nymphomaniacs that is a very very explicit film oh yeah so and explicit. when and in in ways that we know that you and me know that that cannot be shown in theaters no. in america in america 
Yeah. No, it would be heavily censored the way exactly. it's shown. It's basically the the movie is like an odyssey, like a five hour odyssey because it's split in two parts of mm -hmm. a nymphomaniac from from her young life to her like when she's like super old. And it's exactly. basically her telling the story, chronicling the promiscuous life of her as a nymphomaniac for five hours straight, essentially, because again, it's split in two parts. Uh, yeah, Nymphomaniac, that was a journey, man. You saw the two parts of Nymphomaniac? Oh, yes, I did. Oh, my God, Nymphomaniac. That thing was a... Because Lars von Trier is a... He's a very controversial director. And <laughs> this film was, like, one of his weird magnum opuses that not a lot of people like. And it's not because it's very provocative and very, um, you know, sexually explicit. It's because of the way the plot is constructed, yeah. you know? Some people don't like the way the plot develops or whatever. I think it's a very, uh, you know, uneven movie. But as you mentioned, it's the type of movie that it will be so difficult to do in America because of sensibilities, yes. because of European sensibilities compared to American sensibilities, mm -hmm. because of it, French sensibilities, you know, all those exactly. things. Exactly. Yeah. And it's the same thing as you mentioned. You mentioned anime. Yeah. Uh, so in anime, let's put an example, Demon Slayer. Yeah. There's a lot of people that I understand it's not right. I completely understand that it's not right. But there's Nezuko. It's a 13-year-old um, young girl. And you and me know that there's a lot of weird people in this world. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and and you, you and me know that uh, a lot of comments go through in terms of Nezuko and comments that are not appropriate yeah. in our culture. Yep. Because in our culture, we've learned that 13 years old is it's a no go. Too it's young. Pedophilia. Exactly. It's, it's, it's pedophilia. Yeah. But the thing is that in Japan, 13 years old is consent. Yeah. I think I think that they did bump it up a couple of years more. Mm -hmm. um, but it's like you cannot change their culture. Mm-hmm. Because back in the um, Shogun era, uh, in terms of like uh, Japanese samurais and everything, your daughter would be already married at 13 years old. Yep. With a family. So this is how amazing how you can grab American films, um, England films, Asian films, and see how different our cultures are. Mm-hmm. And you can even have examples. Like, I'm going to give you a big example. A lot of people have been uh, asked why <clears throat> Jackie Chan does not do no more American films. Jackie Chan does not do American films no more because they restrict budget and they do not want to make his art. Mm -hmm. Because obviously, I'm not going to lie, if I were a producer of one of his films, either way, I know that I'm going to make a bunch of money out, out of this film. Yeah. But Jackie is 99.9% .9 in the hospital than in the film set. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so I completely understand. But still, you, it, it's something that, that you, you and me have seen that American cinema, they do not, unless you're doing something for a film festival or mm -hmm. something that comes out of your wallet, yeah. you're not doing your story. It's very difficult to get away it's, from telling it's, your story. It's very difficult to get away from your story. And There's it's something... But, uh, but it's not It's not even because 
you know, it's it's because you have to sell a product. So studios see it like we need to make money. So we can't give you like free reign because if you tell like a weird story that no one can connect with, we make no money. Oh, so yeah. there's where the compromise is coming. But it's like you said, unless it's coming from my wallet, from people who actually believe in me, or if it's meant for film festivals and it's it's meant to be, you know, pushing art and it's never going to make money and people are aware that it's not going to make money. It's going to be very difficult to be able to tell your story fully, like you said. But yeah. No, yeah. And that's why I, that's, that's why I would love, like, this is one of the reasons why we made um, this this podcast. And I know that you have yours, the Cinemas, because we want to show people these films do exist. Yeah. And these films are amazing. Like, if you would tell me... Uh, I'm going to put an example, Fast and the Furious. Fast and the Furious is going to have 11 films. I don't know why. Um, and money. Exactly, money. But then there was this small film that I think it only went to one festival. It was produced completely to just promote Pep Boys because that was the reason. Because Pep Boys, house, Pep Boys has the um, speed shop now that where you can buy um, performance parts for your car. So Born to Race is this, the underdog story of a kid that had it all, sponsored car and whatnot. He messes up and he has to start from zero. Yeah. That is what I thought that Fast and the Furious was going to be. Oh, and I, I thought see. that Fast and the Furious was going to be like four films and that's it. And now we have... Uh, I, I think we can call Fast and Furious a whole genre from itself. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. But these small films do exist. Moonlight, um, Ghost Story, A24. <laughs> they made a profit of these <laughs> unique stories that yes. they make money. So clearly there's an audience for this. You know what I mean? And not only that, even even um, let's let's mention Blumhouse. Yeah, that's also very true. Blumhouse, Blumhouse has made their their studio so profitable, mm -hmm. and be and it's all because they they like okay, here's your budget. Your budget is like let's say a hundred million. What? No, a hundred million. That's insane. No, no, it's like that's five too much. Million. Okay, no, it's like five million. Uh, five million. Here's five million. Yeah. With that five million, get yourself some good cameras, and then do whatever the heck you want. It just has Literally. to be horror. Go nuts. Exactly. Go nuts. <laughs> and the great films of horror that have come mm -hmm. uh, I'm not going to say all of them are amazing, but... Insidious came out from Insidious, them. Insidious, um, The Conjuring. I'm not going to say The Conjuring Saga. No, the Conjuring came from Warner Brothers. From Warner Brothers? Okay, my yeah. bad. But Bloomhouse um, also basically uh, produced some of the M. Night Shyamalan films. M. Night Shyam yeah, the M. Night Shyamalan films. That's some of them. Again, Sinister too. Again, maybe? for me, M. Night Shyamalan, I think that he... He in himself and in my heart, he is a masterful director mm -hmm. probably people do not understand like what he's trying to tell in his story okay. i'm still kind of sad because of glass <laughs> uh, um but i saw the the sixth sense and i really did like it uh mm -hmm. it was phenomenal film but there's a lot of these films that are out there i i've mentioned In the movie, in the movie guy, I mentioned a lot of horror films that are a that are Asian, yeah. and and I love them because 
you do not expect you know you see some horror films and you already know what you're going to expect you know what's bite gonna what's going to happen or when the this jump scare is going to happen because you already know the tone of the organ or the music yep but when you see these other filmmakers do horror and then you see the twist and then you're like holy shit what goes going on here again it's just a fact to give it a try like i know that i know that um you are little by little showing um omar like the way you're like <laughs> omar th this this type of cinema exists uh, give it a try and it's fun and it's great yes because again i never thought that he was gonna see mank I really never thought that he was gonna see man. I thought that oh. he was just gonna like Oh, because you know you know him from years. I don't I, I, I don't know him. Exactly. Him. That's why. Like when we yeah. were talking when we were gonna talk about Mank, I was like, oh, he's not gonna watch it. And he's gonna watch it, but skimming it. <laughs> like, oh man. <sighs> okay. If he watched when he said that he did watch, I was like, okay. We're we're going in a good path. We're going <laughs> in a good path. You know, because again, uh it's something that, like, if you recommend me a film, like right now, you did told me to watch Burning for for, in reasons for the show and and as well because you wanted to see if I had a different perspective of the film, mm -hmm. and then I was like, when I finished it, I told you like this this Burning is amazing. Burning, uh, I I have to say it's it's a masterpiece. Yeah, you know I know that there's other masterpieces out there, but burning it, it blew my mind you know it's yeah. it's a film that destroys how you can analyze a character just by looking at their body language and the dialogue mm -hmm. because that is basically what you have in the film you don't got nothing else you don't got exposition you don't got like exactly. something very overtly obvious you only got the character you gotta exactly. work with the character. You gotta make your own decisions about it. Yeah, because it's like it's it's again like uh, most of these mystery films or thriller films. I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put on the spot. Spiral. Yeah. Spiral. Or just is, any Saw movie too. Exactly any Saw movie. But I'm gonna I want to touch in Spiral because Spiral oh. was the recent one. Yeah. But Spiral got me so mad because there was no mystery no. behind the copycat. And everything was there. And the thing is that if you had a bad cast, I would understand that you did not want it to make a good film. But you yeah. had a good cast. You got you had Chris Rock. You had um Sam uh, Jackson. Sam Jackson. Uh, I don't remember the uh the lat the, um, the yeah the, the commissioner guy. Yeah, the Latino guy and the Latina um uh yeah the commissioner gal as well the commissioner. Mm -hmm. She she's um she comes out in Riverdale as well. Okay, cool. Uh, you know, but but the, everything was so like oh okay sure why not there you go. Yeah. You didn't give me mystery. I already knew. Not even thirty minutes in the film, I'm like oh yeah it's that guy. It's so obvious it's that guy. It was so frustrating because I I did mention this in the podcast that Chichando because he invited mm -hmm. me to talk about Spiral. And when I saw it, I was like, it took me a little more time to guess what it was. But the thing that clenched it was when you saw the, the guy, die, like the guy's dead body. Uh-huh. It was the only moment in the film 
that Chris Roth didn't try to piece together the murder. Because in every other instance, either you see the murder or Chris Rock is there, it's the aftermath of the murder, and then he pieces it together because he's like a detective brain. Yeah. But this was the only instance where he doesn't like flashback in his mind to think like, how was my friend murdered at all? And that's like the obvious giveaway. If you would have at least given you that, maybe some people would have still been clueless by the end and the twist would have landed better. But when you do such a gigantic giveaway, and that's, that's the problem with kind of like bad filmmaking or not thinking things through bad bad screenwriting perhaps or whatever because something so simple could have at least helped you a little bit to make some people not be able to tell even though it was so blatantly obvious like you said from the from like 30 minutes in 40 50 minutes in you knew who the person was so then you're left wondering like what's the mystery i'm just waiting exactly. for it to happen and then it just becomes boring when bring it back to burning there's a sense of like damn it are you really a crazy person who murders people like exactly you really are like i'm still in doubt and then you give me hints but then there's some other stuff that kind of contradicts what's happening so then i'm a little confused yet i don't know and even by the end you could argue maybe not maybe not yeah yeah (laughs) But so that's that's that, good. That's, that's the difference when you have like a good, well-written story where you have fully realized characters that you know and you're very confident in filming and you're very assertive of what you want to tell. Spiral other... wanted to be a, a seven clone. It wanted to tell more of the Jigsaw saga. It wanted to be like this thriller mystery. It wanted to be torture porn. But it didn't like commit to anything yes. very thoroughly, and that was kind of the problem. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, but it the thing with burning as well is that you can you will like the characters. Yeah, you will like Young Sue. Yeah, and at the same time, you might like Ben, but at the end, you're gonna hate his guts because you don't know. Yeah. You know, because at first, I really did like Ben. I'm like, you know what? I do like his character because he's like this calm. Again, like I mentioned, I thought he was an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, he's like this calm entrepreneur that knows about life, knows about culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the end, he's just a crazy person about mm-hmm. to blow, blow up, you know? Yep. But then you 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 get to like Hamey. You get to like her as well. Either way, she has some crazy way to look at life, but mm-hmm. You get to like her character because she's a wholesome character. She's a character that wants to be something more, wants wants to be something bigger in life. Mm -hmm. You know, but having that ending where Young Soo kills Ben and then you don't know nothing because you don't know if actually Haimi is dead. You don't know if the actual um, burning of the the greenhouse did happen. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many things that you you don't know because that's the greatness of the film. It keeps you with your mind in an, in an open ending. Yeah. Because it would have been very, for me, it would have been a very big letdown if he would have gotten in the truck and he would have gotten a call from her. Yeah. Because then it would have just cemented a very definitive ending. Exactly. Which, I mean, I love definitive endings, but when you have an ambiguous ending that's done well, because if you do an ambiguous ending for the sake of it, then it's boring as well. 
But if you have an ambiguous ending where it kind of makes you wonder a little bit and it makes you reflect on the film as a whole, that's a good ending. Like, classic example, Inception. The whole top at the end. It's kind of like spinning and some people have debated me, no, because, you know, it's obvious that it's not a dream because it's almost about to tumble and it's like, really? Like, when you think about it, it's very such a, it's such a picturesque ending that it's obvious that he's still in a dream. And that's my interpretation because I'm a cynical person. I believe he he never he never made it. He, he's still stuck in a dream. But some people have argued because they want a hopeful ending. And then that also shows you perspective in people. How they imprint based on their own lived experiences. How they interpret certain endings of films that give you that sense of ambiguousness. Where you have to kind of like pick apart and choose what ending fits the movie better. Again, based on your own lived experiences. So Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I think we should find another foreign film for another episode and invite sure. um, Omar. Go ahead. Because yeah. we we know we know that he does not like those open opened um, yeah. ending films, or you know he does not like him because he he wants to have that ending or that cathartic moment, and it's mm-hmm. like not all the time, dude. Like, which Bernie is fine been, too. Burning would have been amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what a good one, yeah. Yeah. But but again, it I will totally recommend Burning to anybody. Yeah. This film is top notch. This film is amazing. Uh I I am here in IMDb and I clicked on the director's um IMDb lineup. Page. Yeah. Yeah, and he has a couple of films. I'm going to see if I can find them to see them. I, uh, I saw Secret Sunshine a few years back. I think I have the criteria and everything. I think it's the only one I have of him. Um, okay. I, I remember loving... I don't remember much of Secret Sunshine, but I remember loving it very much. But I think that's the only one I've seen, sadly. I haven't seen much of him. But he's he's one of the top-tier uh, Korean directors. Like, when you put, like, a top-10 list, he's there. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, with Bong Joon-ho and stuff like that, like, he's also on that list. He's, like, one okay. of those premier south korean filmmakers yeah because again uh you just mentioned uh bang uh, dang, bang um, joho bang joho and i i have i love some of his films i yeah, gotta say he's a great he's a know, great filmmaker he, yeah. he is a great filmmaker um but again so uh orengo do you have any last thoughts for burning for our listeners um i recommend it as well it has excellent cinematography it's a slow burn film I've seen slower, but that's just me. Um, I think for most people, it will be a little slow because it is it is two hours and 30 minutes. And I remember in another podcast, we uh, we also discussed Burning and Cine, in Cine Nerds. And I remember, I think Deke was the one that didn't finish the movie. He like blatantly admitted to not finishing the film because he fell asleep. And I don't know if that was because he was tired from work or because he was bored. I really don't remember what he told me, but he never finished the movie. So I understand that it might not be everyone's cup of tea. It's a slow burning mystery. Um, the characters are very interesting. They're very well developed. Uh, if you give it a chance, if you're not too tired, it's not a movie that it's not a movie that you'll rewatch like a thousand times. It's like a movie that you'll see maybe twice, and then you'll be like, "I recommend this movie," and never see it ever again because you kind of like get the gist yeah. of it. Um, but it's a phenomenal film. It's It's obviously, like I said, very well filmed, very well directed. Um, it's very nuanced. It's very purposeful. Um, it has 
amazing themes to kind of explore. Uh, like I said, the whole millennium angle, I thought it was very fascinating because a lot of the things I see in these characters, I see in my day-to-day -day life. That's why I, I, I kind of connected a little bit further to it. I know you did as well. Um, but yeah, it was an interesting exploration of the millennial struggle bathed in this low burn psychological thriller. So yeah. Yeah, again, uh, this film, guys, you guys gotta watch it. And I will tell you, there's this one scene that I wanted to leave it for the for for the end. So there's this one scene that um, Young Soo remembers that he saw a greenhouse being mm -hmm. burned. Yeah. And and that I, I think it was that his father was telling him to like throw his mother's clothes to the burning greenhouse because his mother um left them alone. Mm -hmm. And that scene alone, it's gorgeous. Yeah. That that moment where you see young Sue still struggling with the past and still struggling with like I do not have a mom. I do not have a father because my father's um convicted, mm -hmm. and his struggle like in the day to day basis, and it, it was amazing. It's it, it's breathtaking. That that's how much this film I really did like it. Mm -hmm. Um, but hey, this was a great this was a great episode. Wow, yeah. we we dived in with each character like uh like if this was um how do you say uh an analytic for for the police <laughs> yeah man it, it, the, the whole thing about the movie is the characters that's yes that's, that's the hook man that's the hook it's the characters yeah it, it, it really is so orengo tell the people where can they find you hey man you can find me here at subtitles required where once a month we discuss foreign films um you can find me at the movie guy uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, where we discuss what we watch in the weekend, special topics, all that jazz. You can find me in Cinemas Podcast. I don't know when this episode will be going out, but my next episode is going to be episode 16. It's going to be Zola. It's the new A24 movie, which is based on a Twitter thread. That's how this movie was conceived. It's the first film based on a Twitter thread, which is fascinating. Um, I will be discussing this movie with uh, Amanda Munoz, uh, Confessions of a Horror Freak, and Libros de la Bruja, which is Isabel, which is also one of the hosts um, back in Cine Nerds. I, I plucked both of them because I wanted a female perspective and because they're also influencers. They have like way more followers than I do. So they're, they're kind of like influencers, you know, their, their, their opinions matter, como Oscar dice. <laughs> so I, I plot them so we could analyze this film. So hopefully, you know, when this episode airs, hopefully my episode would have aired so you guys can take a listen in Spotify or whatever if you guys want. Uh, also, Cardboard Cave. Uh, every Friday, we discuss all the stuff regarding Wizards of the Coast and Magic the Gathering with John and JP and Chris. And on 15 and Richport. Cine Nerds, where we discuss um, anything, any type of film. Like, we discuss, you know, blockbusters, and we, we talk about indie stuff, and we talk about foreign stuff. We talk about all the different type of films, and we have, like, an awesome panel of people to talk to about these films, and it's always a fun conversation to be had as well. John, where can they find you? 
<laughs> so they can find me um, in all my social media as Big Boss One One Seven PR. And it's really interesting because I have a TikTok. <laughs> so uh, I do have a TikTok. I do a lot of Magic the Gathering content as well. I do my streams every... I'm going to start doing my streams every Monday and Wednesday. So it'll be two days a week that I will be streaming um, either a random game a random game on Mondays. And every Wednesday, I will be streaming Magic the Gathering uh, to, you know, just to test out anything that comes out. Um, from future sets uh, or decks as well. And obviously, at the Movie Guy, uh, I do, like Orengo mentioned, every Tuesday and every Thursday. And as well, this next um, <clears throat> this next 16th of this month, I will be talking about the movie Warcraft in my show, Up, Up, Left, Right, where I go ahead and talk about these amazing films and how greatly bad they are. <laughs> and when I say greatly bad, I mean greatly bad. Awesome. I can just probably in the in the trans of the show, maybe one or two will pop out that they're pretty decent. <laughs> and obviously, Cardboard Cave, eh, your place to find out about anything and everything Magic the Gathering related. Uh, this Friday, I think we're going to talk about those spicy... Um, oh, the spicy spoilers that came out today. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, those are very interesting. Yes, <laughs> very interesting. Um, cards that were came out that day. Mm -hmm. But remember, guys, uh, you can follow uh the podcast. I am going to announce it in this episode officially from today on. You can find subtitles required as subtitles required. I will be eliminating Big Boss 117 Universe. I'm going to dedicate full on subtitles required. And I will be moving on with another show. But that will be in another um, platform as well. So I will see you guys in the next one with Orengo. And we will post in our social media the next film that we will be talking about next month. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.